Hi, you're listening to Secrets for an Inspirational Life with me, your host, Mimi Novik. I'm so happy and thrilled to have you here with me. I have created this series for all of us so we can change our world together and live a more holistic and balanced life. Together, we will share lots of inspiring stories from all walks of life, speak with leading experts, enjoy healthy living ideas, explore music and subjects that inspire each other to always have hope. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate all of you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Secrets for an Inspirational Life. How are you all today? I hope that you are well. I hope that whatever you're doing is bringing you a little bit of peace, a lot of joy, and that the moments in your life are somewhat serene. Serenity. What an interesting state of being. It's something I think that we are all striving in our own way to achieve, but sometimes it is a long road to reach it. What we don't realize, I think, is that when we are still, when we are calm, and when we reconnect to our inner core, is where all the answers begin and end. So serenity for me, I have to say, is something that I strive to do. And yet it is in the striving sometimes that there is a struggle. It is when we let go and trust that higher power, that it will be taken care of and that the world is flowing just as it should be. Now I am absolutely honoured and delighted to welcome a real, true legend today, and that's the wonderful Stephen Kalinich. Stephen is a renowned lyricist and poet. Originally from New York, he found himself in the world of writing and music. His tremendous songwriting skills have led him to work very closely with well-known and renowned singers. While under contract as an artist signed to the Beach Boys, Stephen co-wrote several songs released by the group, including All I Want to Do, Be Still, Little Bird, and A Time to Live in Dreams with Dennis Wilson. Stephen is also the lyricist and co-publisher for Brian Wilson's duet with Sir Paul McCartney, A Friend Like You. He has collaborated with a number of recording artists, performers, musicians, and composers all over the world, including P.F. Sloan, Art Munson, Randy Crawford, Mary Wilson of the Supremes, Odyssey, Diana Ross, and the list goes on. And he has an absolutely fascinating life. Today, he shares his incredible life journey. Welcome, dear Stevie. 
Thank you so much, Mimi. I'm very grateful to be here. I'm absolutely delighted and honoured to have you here, Stevie. And thank you so much for joining me. You're so welcome. And now, where, where are you? Tell, tell the listeners I'm where in, you are. Right now, I'm in California toward Beverly Hills, on the fringe of Beverly Hills, which is about five miles from the ocean. Right this minute, I can get there in like 10 minutes, and I love it here. I've been all over this area for a while. How wonderful. Isn't it absolutely remarkable, Stevie, that here we are across the other side of the world, and I am absolutely, as I said, overjoyed to have you here. You are a real legend, I have to say, and your life and your work is incredible. Thank you. And I love the United Kingdom and I love all the places in the world I've been, but I spend a lot of time near you and I love it there. I went last time for seven months and performing in the festivals and doing other things. Oh, how wonderful. Do you have any plans, do you think, to come back here again in the near future? I would love it. And I think some people would like to bring me there. Um, but since the COVID, I haven't pursued it. But I think there are people that want me to go there. And, and I would love to do it. I performed. One of the highlights was, there's so many of them, but was I performed at the Rope Tackle in Shoreham by the Sea with Richard Durant, my Galactic Symphonies. And we did quite a few nights there. And it was televised. And it's on DVD and CD. It was very exciting. That sounds absolutely wonderful. And your whole life is like an encyclopedia of events. <laughs> tell, us a, tell us a little bit from the beginning. Let's go back to the beginning. How this wonderful life of yours, how this wonderful career of yours began? Well... It began probably when I was uh, five, eight. I was starting to write poems, and, and they weren't very good, but they were about maybe God or different things, which I, I remember the first one that I remember was maybe five or six. At night, I saw the stars above, a sign of God, of hope, of love, stars that shine above my eyes to make me know God's in the skies. <laughs> So that was my little effort. But as I've grown, I find that what I thought was in the skies is within consciousness and within love and within peace and not what I thought. But from that, I've grown throughout all my journeys. I've had ups and downs. And then the next thing, as a teenager, I had some troubled times, went through different things. But by 15, I was already wanting world peace and starting to write things about world peace. And I've got some recognition from it. And I decided I wanted to write songs. So I started writing songs and I came to California. And within a few weeks, I had already made contacts. And I rode on the plane with the head of VJ Records, was the label that signed the Beatles over here. and he wanted me to come in. He said, are you interested in being a songwriter? I said, no, I, I'm writing things, but 
I want to go to medical school. And uh, so so I turned it down, but I did go in the office. And, and it was just funny how cold. And then about a year or two later, I got the bug that I'm going to continue this poetry as a poet. And I started writing poems and songs. And then I got a contract with the Beach Boys. I was living in the Hollywood Y. And I went into their office and they said, we've got to introduce you to Brian. And I got a recording contract and a publishing contract. It was about 67 or 68, something like that, 66. I don't know the exact years. Historians know and can be checked out, but I'm not great on all those dates. And would you say that was the beginning, I suppose, of this sort of enchanted life, that moment? Do you well, think that, that was the pivot point? It was, it was a launching pad, but mm. after, I, I think it's important to tell this, Mimi, for those that are wondering, it didn't all go straight up from there. After I had Little Bird, which was a massive appeal around the world, I ended up a year later, I broke my own contract with the Beach Boys, which was not a great career move. But I, somehow I felt restricted. And I wanted to do my own thing. And I ended up working at a gas station in Westwood, Earl's Courtesy Mobile. So I went from that and then being a busboy because my family didn't want to help me then because I turned down the med school thing. So I found myself in that situation. And then my career started over just started getting better. And then I reconnected with Dennis Wilson and we wrote songs when I wasn't under contract. And that was the beginning probably of the trajectory that led to my life. Is it something that in your heart, when you were writing your poems as a young boy, that you had dreamed of doing? being a lyricist and a songwriter. Is that something or is that something you fell into? I would say I fell into it, but once I was into it, it felt like it was before my birth that I was in my element. That instead of just wanting to be a commercial songwriter, like people want to make it like the Beatles, that I wanted to make a contribution to the world for world peace. I was still a teenager and I still have that vision. So I did do a lot of things in between, but I'm still with that vision and I'm almost 80 in a couple of months. I know your, your energy absolutely is astounding and, you know, all credit due to you really, I stand in awe at this effervescence of your energy and your spirit is something quite remarkable. I think it's important, Mimi, that, the reason I'm telling the other sides, I know a lot of people won't tell about the, sh the rough parts because I don't think probably anyone has had a straight line to, and even after you, everyone else thinks you have made it, but there are so many struggles along the way. Those are minor struggles compared to the, the, when you're still young and have the energy, to the inward struggles after we start what they would call making it or getting known. Though, that's when the real struggles of what is my purpose? Can I make a contribution? Do I want to be rich and famous? And is that a cool thing? Or is it better to be helping people? And those questions have been with me since I was a teen. And then I had years when I, I did, I think my biggest addiction was charging things. 
I seemed to have no <laughs> restrictions. So I went bankrupt a couple of times, even after I'd made it. And over a million dollars in the 60s or 70s, but you can imagine it was pretty vast. And uh, I'm not proud of that, but I want to just say that, that you have to be careful as you go. I would advise people not to take every path that I did, but to look more inward. And that's how the stillness practice developed. But it was not a straight path. I could paint that picture, but I'm trying to be fair to people listening. It's not all glory and hanging around with Brian and Paul and yeah, and Carney. Yes, that's my everyday life and things are different, but all the steps along the way are there and all the struggles that, that the people have that that you look up to that no one ever knows about. Their mother died, their father, their brother, autistic people in their family that they have to help, all kind of challenges. And I just want to paint that. And because to get to a real positive, it's not just saying I'm going to be positive and think positive, but it's it's actually going through life experiences and working a practice like practicing the piano, practice goodness, practice kindness, practice your music, try have, either have fun or want to touch someone or do something that you're in service to make people laugh or to inspire them. And if you reach a few people, you'll be, it's a miracle in itself. These are very wise words because I think that being of service is the key to leading this fulfilled life. I remember when I was young and I was about 13 and, you know, those were sort of the formative years when you become a teenager and you want to fit in and you want to be like everybody else. And then I had this moment in life and I was 13 and I suddenly thought, but this is not making me happy. What actually makes me happy? And it was actually to help other people. And I've stuck by that throughout my life so far, because it is, as you say, in the service of doing goodness as much as we can throughout our own torments and tests and trials through life. But that's not such an easy task. Well, I've made it a little easier for me. And you. Mm. this is for people to decide for themselves. Yeah. A lot of people, you see the selfless humanitarians and like that, and that's all good and fine. But what I do, which I feel is more realistic in this world, and you may disagree, when I pray or when I want to do good, I include myself, not just everyone else. I'm not, I, I say everyone, including me, because I think if I'm going to tell other people I have it and I don't have that kind of consciousness within myself, I'm, I mean, we are all together, so why not include yourself? I don't think that's selfish. I agree with you. I know we've spoken about this before, but I absolutely agree with you because unless we love and respect ourselves, and I have so many conversations like this, Stevie, we cannot extend that love and gratitude and compassion to any other living being. It all begins with ourselves. Like. Like uh, in my journals or something uh, lately, I'll record, you know, like when you say it's not, you got to forgive this and that, but it goes much deeper than that. 
I wrote myself sometime when someone does something wrong to me, you, you'll, you'll relate to this, I, I think. And I say, you know, I really don't like what they did. I really don't want to forgive them. I don't want to, to you know, let it go. I, I want them to be punished. Sometimes I've even wanted revenge on them. Now, that, I hope this is not against your principles, but, but then I realize that I, that's a weight that I'm carrying within myself. So the way I have been freed, and I tell my friends, but you can do what you want, that I didn't want to carry the weight of that. So I let it go. It doesn't mean I'm having lunch with them or you yeah. know, say, or going out or traveling, but mm -hmm. I try to let them go with kindness. And sometimes they won't get it. And sometimes they do. It's not going to happen every time. But does that, do you under, does that, uh, but yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not the selfless warrior, but I believe in the goodness of that because the best thing when you learn, not necessarily to forget what happened, but when you let go of the weight of that and can get calm your own emotions around it because your emotions will not change the situation. Revenge really won't change the situation. But to say you never felt all that, I think that's a stretch for most humans do you yeah i do it's true because i know many times in my life i have a friend actually and he's always saying to me it is the art of forgiveness and he gets on my nerves actually sometimes and i said yes but i don't want to forgive and <laughs> he's, i know i'm just i i don't want to he says why don't you want to i said because I want to be cheesed off about it. I don't want to suppress my feelings, you know. I want to be able to be true. I don't want to be fake. And he said, but that's not what I'm saying to you. I'm saying, let it go. It's, as you said, a very heavy burden to carry. And it's absolutely true because there are people in one's life that have done things that are not correct. But we can't dwell on these things. I think it, you don't have to forgive. I'm not in that sort of brigade of forgive. But I think what we have to do is forgive ourselves. Well, and well I think you're, you're right. And if you go to the consciousness level that you're talking mm. about, um, how about that we maybe don't even forgive, but we let, it, we let the weight of it go. Yes. What it does, it poisons our blood cells, our body. It's physical. It's not mentally just holding on to it. You're keeping it in your body. You could mm. get a cramped liver. Or I'm just being real. And, and doctors and medical doctors and scientists will tell you that it puts a pressure, uh, a pressure on the organism, on the molecules, the cells, the little blood, whatever they are in there. Uh, and it's it's physically not intelligent for your survival to carry too much of that weight because it will poison your organs and you won't be able to live and breathe properly. Yeah, absolutely. Because... stuff, But that's the reason to forgive. But whether in your mind you're going to like say, oh, I love that guy that killed my sister. I hate to be so rude about it. But that's, that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about letting it go for your own higher good. And also, the universe will hopefully have justice, but that's not up to me. But sometimes I feel like I want to take the justice in my own hands. 
I think we've all been there. And, and sometimes we do have yeah. to stop stuff, as you know, with some things, what we've had with slavery, all the, sometimes we do have to get in there. But I just think in general, we're talking about how to yourself to survive and live in this world. Yes, I believe in standing up for what is right. I believe in standing up for the truth. But I also believe in that we have to live with ourselves and our conscience every single moment of our life. And we have to find that balance that we can keep going and keep doing what we're supposed to be doing in this world. Because the more baggage that we have to carry, I feel that if we're angry with somebody or we hate, we somehow tie ourselves to that person. And uh, another part that you brought up that it's not exactly, but kind of related. Also, I want to also say that I love the parts. Don't like downplay. I love the parts that I was able to do a duet that Paul McCartney sang on. What a thrill for me. One of my favorite groups are that Brian Wilson. And also, even if some people misinterpreted the lyrics, it's called A Friend Like You. One guy said that I should be killed for writing that sappy lyric. I'm telling you this. This is a not a critic, but a fan or mm -hmm. somebody. And they obviously didn't get what my meaning was because A Friend Like You, Brian said, it wasn't written. Paul McCartney did it after I wrote it. I didn't write it for him. I wish I mm. could say that, but I didn't. I want it to be clear because the point of the song was you have courage, you risk it all, you pick me up, and every time I fall, you inspire me every day of my life. Uh, a friend like you, you stand beside me. You know, it was about, it could have been God, it could have been your neighbor, but it was about the idea of friendship, and it was not sappy. It's about, that I would like friends like that that care about me like that. It's not naive that I'm looking the other way. I still gonna not let someone punch me or anything like that. I I mean people and and that hurts your feelings, but you have to recognize that that's others' reaction. So if you feel something strong, like in your teaching, how you do or your unfoldment with your show, I think it's fine. And if people don't like it, that's within them. It's not within you. You keep trying to put out good, Mimi. You keep trying to put out good. But be aware that there's some yeah. people that will try to block you. And don't let give them uh, a power. There was a poem by Edwin Markham, an American poet, called Outwitted. And it mm -hmm. goes like this. He drew a circle that shut me out. Heretic, rebel, a thing to flout. But love and I had the wit to win. We drew a circle that took him in, Edwin Markham. And it doesn't mean take them into your life, but it means don't let their hatred or poison go through you. My goodness, yes. That's not so easy to do. And how do you do that, though, Stevie? How do you deal the way with I, somebody the way, who hates. The way, I, the way I do it, I can tell you, but I don't know how to advise anyone else except how I do Please it. Please do, yes. Share the it way there. I do it, and it doesn't always work, no, but a lot. Um, I go to the stillness, and I know I'm not forgiving yet, and I'm not 
and uh, it hurts my feelings. And I try to realize that my hurt feelings are because someone said something about me that wasn't nice and I didn't like it. So what I try to do is realize I have to take ownership. And instead of being weak and being criticized, there's a lot of people that are against goodness in the world. They think you're a sap if you're too good and a pushover. Well, I think it's great to be have goodness and do kind things, but also you want to have principle and stand strong. And if some idiot tries to block you, you have to say, no, I'm not letting you into my consciousness. I'm stopping you right here. You're entitled to your ideas, but that's not how I feel. I'm trying to do good in the world and you can't do anything about that. And I'm not going to tolerate that from you or anyone. I don't know if you agree with that, but that's how I am. Yeah, I agree. I um, A friend of mine said to me, it's actually a famous quote, and I don't know who said it. He, he said to me that it's some sort of, I don't know, president or someone. It might not be, actually. It, it's in the effect, maybe you know it, Stevie, it's uh, be kind and gentle, but carry a big stick. Yeah, I heard that. I don't remember who the quote's from. but No, yeah, that, I don't. That's yeah. a good one. I know David and I wrote a song, which it, it, it might sound dated now, but way back. But uh, I don't know if we released it. It had a good punch. It was called You Are the Trigger. And I used it in sports, too. I changed it to be a champion, but it's the same. It was You Are the Trigger. You activate the flow. You got the ammunition. That's all you need to know. If you want something, go for it. Go for it now. Don't put it off. Do it today. You don't have to lie. You don't have to cheat. You don't have to run away. You are not a helpless victim, even though you're feeling down. Your thoughts are not your masters. You can turn them all around because you are the trigger. So it was taking responsibility, being proactive. And in sports, the way I applied it was be a champion, fight the good fight. All of the strength rises within you. You are the future. You are the goal. This is the time to reach beyond limits, to, to be in control, be a champion. And the point of it was in our own consciousness to rise to the point where we can stand up to voices that try to tear us down, to the negative voices and have our own voice, which you're trying to do with the good in your show, and also claim for ourselves. Also being humble at the same time, if someone constructively does a criticism of you, maybe they do it the wrong way, I think that you can forgive and uh, maybe try and iron it out with them. They may never forgive you the way you want, but I think that that's a different kind of an issue for me. And I, I don't know if you agree or not. I do agree. And I, I'm smiling. And I tell you why I'm sm smiling, Stevie, is because that was such a powerful speech that you made there. That was rather fantastic, I have to say. I don't know what I said, so you'll have to send it back to me. <laughs> that's what you did with David. I have to say David Courtney. That's David Courtney, the... Um, songwriter who we've had on the show also that's who stevie's referring to isn't it yeah, ask david about you are the trigger he'll remember i will we still, I will. We still need to do something with it yeah and, um, <laughs> and in a boxing book recently ray uh what's the heck's his name oh my god when i think of it i'll tell you forgive me oh gene aguilera i think is his name he uh -huh. he uh used quote in one of his boxing books from from that, uh, but I changed it to be a champion because I use, it's the same sentiment, but it was for sports, soccer or football or this is boxing. And uh, he put it in one of his books and he gave me credit, uh, his, his last book, in fact. 
in the in the in the thank yous he he did it and he quoted me in the boxing book with that song <laughs> did he really you know what yeah. it reminded me of i don't know which film it was but uh, al pacino was in it and it is actually a, a film about um sports and he's inspiring the people and it's a famous sort of speech that gets put out everywhere and it's that speech that you just gave um about the trigger reminded me of that and i think if we could have you blasting everywhere every day when people go to work wherever they go in life with that sort of vivaciousness i think the world would be a far greater place well, I appreciate that, but people are doing it in their own way. But the, I don't like when the positive thinkers try and cram it down your throat, like if you don't accept it, that's all your problem. There, It's also, it's good to be positive, but if something negative is eating in your body, mm. you want to address it and not just say it'll go away because you might die that way in the physical, yeah. in the real world. So I think we got a, the fine line between it, first of all, if it's true that everything can be healed from within, but if you're not on that level within your own consciousness yet to be a a, a, a bodhisattva, a, a wise one, a, a master that can control it, if you're not a master yoga, well, if someone jabs you, you might still die. You know what I mean? You, you, if you're not elevated to that level, be careful. Like, like try to preach what you can live to a degree. Don't just write good words. We we worship people for writing and for creating and it's nice. But what I'm trying to say, try to, if your highest words, try to a certain degree live them. Don't just say them because it's a form of hypocrisy, which we've all done. All have done, even the top level. And, and also what you said before, I want to make sure I'm not anti the celebrity. I love all the great things, working with Brian Wilson, the original, working with David Courtney, working with Brian May, working with Keith Reed that wrote White or Shea, working with uh, Dennis Wilson, uh, John Tiven. Uh, oh, my God, so many people. I can't, I'm not even, Jess Graham, uh, Andy Marks, so many people, Art Munson, so many people I've collaborated with and now I'm talking to John Densmore. I don't know if we'll do anything, but he's a, such a lovely guy, the the drummer or percussionist for The Doors. Such a sweet, sweet guy. And then I'm opening at the Whiskey on the thir- 14th of November here. I'm going to do one poem opening up for Strawberry Alarm Clock, which was a big group in the 60s, and they still fill the Whiskey. And they've asked me to do it. It's just a small part, but we're all so great together. And we're the same that we were in the 60s. Uh, some people might seem dead, but we have so much fun. But I'll take one of my galactic symphonies, and they have a music piece that they do with it, and it's pretty, pretty wild. What a! I don't even know. It's a charmed life in a way that you have. Well, read. it's also, and I run around. I'm not standing there like that kind of poet. When I'm with the strawberry, I run around, and I probably could keep up with Mick Jagger, but I have a different style. <laughs> So if he hears this, I'm not challenging him, Mick. I'm just saying, you know, there's other other people your age out there that haven't given the, the fight up. But I do. I like his energy, and he's funny. And I I performed before with Bernard Fowler 
and some of the background singers for the Stones at the Mint many times. And Bernard even produced some of my stuff, who, who you know is always the the great voice with the Stones uh, when they do yeah. live concerts. And he loves me and he helped me a lot. He opened me up and I had a lot of good support from these people. But the part that you said about the exciting part of Hollywood, yes, signing with the Beach Boys, have, having great friends with Carney, who's a great cook, and Wilson Phillips, the, the great sound, and the different people. I'm excited to work with Brian May. All my friends, I just got a tribute from Library Girl in Santa Monica. I'm not trying to toot my own horn, but I'm grateful for all these people and the tribe and the Wild Honey Orchestra. All these people have included me. Maybe I give a benediction. I'm small. I might do a short poem or a long poem. Uh, and one year I did the Be Still the Spoken version, the Beach Boy song, but I did the poem and it was uh, seven minutes. And to be that generous to a poet in this day and age is amazing. And that is something that is quite remarkable, is that you are so humble, Stevie. You've led this charmed life, but you still have this grounding so to speak. You have this spiritual awareness also. How do you do that? How do you balance the worldly life with your inner life? I think that because I've had the bankruptcies and I've been such an extreme uh, with my not saving and like having that wild life, even though Believe me, the charging is just, well, maybe not quite, but almost as bad as cocaine, any of the drugs, any of the addictions. What I had was, I wouldn't wish it on anyone because that's one, you you know, a little guy with a crooked nose is going to come in your door and say, hey, Stevie, uh, you know, we got a, a debt to settle, you know. <laughs> I didn't want to end up like that. So I got, I got straightened out. And uh, some of my friends, a girl named Diane Moss, and some of them straightened me out and helped me a lot. P.F. Sloan, too, a lovely guy you should know about that wrote all those great songs. Secret Agent Man, Where Were You When I Needed You, You Baby, uh, Just Let Me Be, The Turtles Did a Version. To have partners like that, to go to India with them, to have partners like David, to spend David and Tony Klinger brought me to England, and I owe all my career in England to them, although there's a lot of other people that helped me all around the world and meeting you. I'm very grateful. Also, I try to find the good, if it's in the busboy in a restaurant or if it's in the waiter and my friends don't like it this year, you're always talking to everyone. But I don't just talk to the big shots. I'll, I'll know the people in the kitchen and I, I try, I mean, it sounds crazy maybe, but I like to people, cause I remember when I was there and people were treating me like crap. And I yeah. remember all those things. And sometimes people that have, advantage sometimes they, they can be really just on a mean to other people and not you know not thoughtful and I want to try to avoid that although I've done a couple stupid things many times and I feel regret and sometimes people don't forgive you you have to recognize that to take responsibility for your actions and to try to find some joy in life so tell me Stevie what is your secret for a peaceful life? My secret for a peaceful life 
when I say peaceful, relatively peaceful in this world of chaos and turmoil. Mm. In the in the lines of my poem, when all the earth is crumbling and insanity runs rampant in the streets, when rape and murder fill our papers and our theaters, when men no longer care for other men, we need a poet's voice. When our right lives no longer run the meter and the rhythm, when our hearts become as hardened as our steel, we need a poet's heart. What we need is a consciousness of realizing that we're not perfect, but to have goodness every day, to try and find the good in each other and to try to make the world a better place, not just for us and our children, but for other beings. And to think more of we instead of just me and my family to expand our world within the limits of what we can do. So my secret is to take one moment and that song, uh, that famous song, uh, Let There Be Peace on Earth, I was friends with them. I did a spoken version. Do you ever remember that song? Danny Kay did it with Children's uh, UN. Uh, let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. Do you remember that song? No, I don't know it. I, I look it up, uh, children's choir. Let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. Let there be peace on earth, the peace that was meant to be. With love as our father, brothers all are we. Let me walk with my brother in perfect harmony. Let there be peace on earth. Let this be the moment now. And with every step I take, let this be my solemn vow to take each moment and live each moment in peace eternally. Let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me. How beautiful. It's been recorded millions of times. You will love the children's choir, uh, the World Children's Choir with Danny. I think Danny Kay, the actor, was the one that did that version. But there's been all kind of versions. The world's children's choir i'm going to I have a yeah and it's called uh, let there be peace on earth and it's written by Cy and jill miller and they had me at their house i did a spoken version which the beach boys were going to put out years ago but never happened and i can't even find it but if i do i'll send it to you and if you want to play yes it, yeah. yes please yes that would I be can very find my version but if i don't i'll do another version we'll do a version and then we can put it at the end of the podcast <laughs> That would be rather fine, wouldn't it? Well, I just did it my own version, but with no music. That's all. Well, you can do it again. A special okay. little number at the end. Whatever you, whatever you like. But <laughs> is that addressing? Does that address your question? Yes, it does. And I know that you are somebody who is passionate about world peace and and about joy living in joy that's yeah. some of the things that really strike me that come from you stevie is this compassion for humanity this also this eternal joy i suppose and if you have any questions about specific artists or people i'm not a I'm fine with that. I just, I didn't want you to think I don't like all that stuff because I love all that, but I wanted to get clear in the beginning that it's more than that. I know. 
I know. So, but feel, but all that stuff is part of life and it's exciting. And so I don't mind anything you would ask me about that. I just, I don't want to come off like, oh, I don't care about, because I, it, it was so exciting, all those things, like speaking in Washington, D.C. with my book, if you knew, for Children's United Nations, Uniting Nations, and different things like that that I have done. All those things are physical world events, but they, I love them, too. It's like going to a concert like for Bangladesh or George Harrison or, you know, a world concert that was all for, most of those were for a cause beyond just the artists promoting themselves. What is the most memorable, I suppose, moment in your life that has inspired you to continue this journey of peace and love? Well, I don't know about the most memorable because I don't want to hook it with the name, but I can tell you a recent incident that, that inspired me. And if this makes sense to you or your listeners, mm-hmm. I was really stressed out a few weeks ago. And I have a friend, I hope he doesn't mind. His name is Todd. I won't say his last name, but if he wants me to, I'll tell you another time. And he was a singer and now he works in hospice. And he he has a daughter that is, uh, I don't know what to how to express it, but she's not able to move and things like that, but she can make a sound. She's about 20. Her name is uh, Everly. And I hope that they don't mind that I said her name, but I won't say their last name. And she's so sweet. But one night I called him, I was kind of down. This was just a few weeks ago and I was really down. And then she was in the room with him on the phone. And, and I said, and then he said, Everly's here, you know, and I was really down. And I said, I love you, Everly. And, you know, I was talking to her and she made a sound like, you know how, if you've ever seen people that are not able to speak exactly, but they make make a sound or an expression. And it was on the phone. And um, after she made that sound, I was totally healed from feeling sick and like that. So that's a practical, that was just a couple of weeks ago. And he said, Todd, since he's such a lovely guy, he said, Stevie, it's partially from you. But even if that's true, she triggered off her innocence, her beauty. And that that's a hopeful, isn't that a hopeful thing? I think that's a beautiful thing. And it doesn't need is that a good? Is that rather than just sharing with what I did with Paul or like that? I mean, I can do that too. But what I'm saying is that's a recent, it's that recent in my life that good is coming. And then I'm blessed that my friend of mine that just passed away from friends, James Michael Tyler, that about a year or so before he died, he recorded my poem on an album, I think, a couple years ago. If is you it knew. a TV program, Friends? Friends was a TV, is a, was a TV yeah. program. Yeah. Still and he was the bartender, and he's... Uh, Gunther or some, I, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right. And he asked me, could uh, he uh, do a video for prostate cancer? And I said, of course. And he just passed away last week and his, his widow, her name is Jennifer and she's a friend of mine. And so we donated it to, and our friend Al Gomes helped and Alan Boyd, that we donated it for prostate cancer. And I think that that is one of the most satisfying and gratifying usages of a work, just like George 
with Bangladesh or within you and you. And they did these songs, you know, it's something that can help a cause besides ourselves. But it doesn't mean I don't love the everyday things and the fun of it and going to shows and performing and all that. I do love that too. And the poem was, If You Knew, yes. that you wrote. And yeah. it's online was... if people want to. It's it, There's a video of it. Mike James Michael Tyler, If You Knew. And I think there's a place where you can donate to prostate cancer, I think. Uh, but at least you could find it on the internet if you just put it in Google or one of the search engines. James Michael Tyler, If You Knew. And there'll be something about it. It's all over. But it's everywhere, isn't it now? Um, it's all over. That you wrote. Yeah. And it's adapted. Yeah. It was in a video raising awareness for prostate yeah. cancer. And he did a beautiful version of it. And my heart goes to his widow and to all of his friends. It's a sad and yet something that is part of life, death. But what you have done, you know, also in such a good cause, in doing such a good cause, I think that always shines a light of hope, that there is always hope in this world. For as long as we are alive, there is this glimmer of hope that burns within each and every one of us. You're so right. And it's all the magical people around us. It's not it's not just the poem or you doing your show, but it's the people that recognize it and that maybe activate it. And, and maybe it's not even us. Maybe we're being used for, like for a higher cause besides our own cause. And I just think that's a beautiful part of life. And I don't, I think it's good to enjoy the everyday life, like going to cons, all those kind of things too. I, I just think we need a, a nice to be balanced beings is what I call it. Yes, balanced beings. What a wonderful thought. And it's true, whatever gives us that balance. Just before we started the podcast, Stevie, I thought I want to do something nice in honor of the podcast episode with Stevie. And I thought, what should I do? So I took out my crystal, um, it's a cup, it's a glass actually, a teacup. And um, I bought these in Istanbul and they're crystal. And it's something that I love. And I had a mint tea. And I thought, you see, it's the small moments that can bring us a sublime joy. Yes, I, I agree with you. Maybe. We look for these fantastic fireworks in life and people are always searching for something extravagant and wonderful. And if they don't get it, they're depressed or they feel down. But it's the smallest things in life. If we can collect them like pearls, you know, on a rope. I totally realize. I think you've hit the key for me. Uh, and that is that we can individually, I wrote a poem which I'd like to share with you about this very thing that you're talking about. Yes, it's please. called The Days of Life. It's been in a lot of form, song, spoken. The days of life so quickly pass through muted time and endless space, through gentle joy and bitter pain, silently it slips away. Each step we walk 
Each breath we take, we can live love. We can bring peace. We can be kind. The little things we do each day to help someone, like drying tears with hands of love, can mean so much, can heal a wound, can save a life. So each night before we go to sleep, think of the feelings we can share, the lives we can touch with hope, the words of tenderness that we can speak to one in need. Think of the good that we can do through the days of life. And you're doing so much good with your show and trying to put these thoughts out to help people. So bless you for that. Oh, and bless you, Stevie. That was such a beautiful poem. What words, really? What a line, you know, about tears and tenderness. And it is, it is what the human soul craves for, is this tenderness and this love that is so missing from so many people's lives. I agree with you. And I think if each one of us in our own way do like maybe one good thing a day to help someone plus ourselves and maybe one time when we're thinking of promoting ourselves that we promote someone else or some cause or something like that, just not the whole day, but just take a couple moments. And I guarantee the more you don't think about yourself every second and advancing yourself, the better your life will become. The more you give from your inner purity and kindness and not just to gain something, the greater joy you will receive, I believe. I agree with you. I agree with you totally. And I always say to people, because it's something that I practice, I'm not perfect by any means. I am a fragile human being. You know, we're, we're... such fragile beings, but yet we're so powerful in so many ways. And we have this ability to manifest these beautiful thoughts into beautiful things. We are powerful. We are powerful beings. If only we realize that we can bring so much joy to others, and by doing so, ultimately gives us the space to fill our life with love and purpose. You're totally right. I remember once I went to Brian Wilson and said, I want my poems to touch the whole world. And he said to me, Stevie, if we just touch a few people, that'll be great. And that was a humbling lesson, but he was right that, and you were saying like, there are going to be challenges and problems and, Maybe it's better to just be more calm about it than always needing that lightning and that touch, touch out the whole world and a bit exciting. But if you help one person a day or a few people a week or whatever, you're still doing some good in the world. It's not everything instantaneously. It's true. I once, many years ago, when I was younger, went to speak to a very wise, holy person. And I remember him saying to me, It's important to be of service to people and that gives us meaning in life. And when you have a gift, you have to use it. You know, this is a God-given gift and you must use it because 
if you don't use it, somehow it gets used against us. So it was a great lesson. And I remember saying to him, he said, you know, we must help the people and love the people. And I, I remember saying to him, you know, as young and foolish as I was, but I can't do it. You know, there's so many people in the world. And how do you reach all these people? It's impossible. He said, no, don't worry about that. It's one person at a time. That's right. And that's the best message we can give to the, your listeners. It's one at, one at a time we walk this path. And it's the one we're talking to. We, yeah. If it, one soul is benefited and blessed, I totally agree with you. And I think that that was a great lesson that Brian, from his wisdom, people wouldn't think he would say that that hear me with all these poems and lofty, and he tells me in one simple sentence, and it, it changed my, that was in my early 20s, and I think that changed, I think it helped me so much, and the fact that he believed in me, and then the other person that was, did a lot of service, people don't realize, yeah. was, and I mentioned that was P.F. Sloan, P.F. Sloan that wrote Eve of Destruction, he was a person that was in service of people, he helped a lot of people. And we don't sometimes hear about these people. And we hear we about some things, but not, not, mm-hmm. and also other people that it's good for people to know that, especially in the UK, they probably want to. Paul McCartney is one of the kindest, sweetest people. I, I'm not talking about business or anything because I've only done that one thing, but I wrote a letter to him and his manager when he was, when Zach Nielsen was who's now passed away, Harry Nielsen's son, had cancer. And I said, Paul, I know you were friends with his father. And Zach put the letter on the internet. I didn't, I did it privately, but there was so much response. But the fact, and then, and Paul wrote a letter to him and beautiful letter. And then, and Zach put it up on the internet, but and I've asked him to do other things, and he's always done it. But the fact that he would take time to write to Zach and all that, that's a whole different side that you will never see on the press, except that one made the Internet because somebody picked up the letter. But it wasn't Paul's intent or mine. But it's good that Zach shared it because it might help you. But a lot of people, George Harrison, too, with a lot of the within you, without you, there's a lot of people that are doing a lot of good besides that they're maybe in the, as a rock star, they're not perfect or like that. John Densmore of The Doors is a, another one I, that I know. These are people I know personally. And there's just uh, so many of them that are really have a consciousness of wanting to do good. So, I mean, uh, and there's many more. I, I'm leaving a lot of people out. But so it, it's not it's not just about making it and being famous and getting all these press that they do in UK and USA and all around. It's, it's about, we can do all these things and have fun and still do some good in the world and try to help other people. It's true. When I was younger, Stevie, I was in the film industry and um, many moons ago. And I remember all these stars and in inverted commas and all these actors that were famous and, People used to say to me, you know, what's it like working with these people? And I would say they're just normal people. What did you do, Mimi? Can I ask? Yes, of course. Well, I I did and still do voiceover work. So oh, that's cool. something 
yeah, so that's something that I did. I was an actress for a while. I started to do acting because I had, what I wanted to do actually was to own a sanctuary when I was younger. But also I had a friend who was a producer and he said to me, Mimi, I think you should go into films. So I used to also be a makeup artist. And what happened is one day, I was very young at the time, I was 18. I woke up one morning and I couldn't move. So I had a shock, yes, and I couldn't walk for a year. And I had to learn to walk again. And all my dreams sort of collapsed in front of me. So everything you'd wanted as a child and you dreamed of suddenly collapsed and I had to rethink my life. And at that point, I thought, okay, I still want to do my therapy work that I do, but I can't do that all the time. So what do I do? So I spoke to a friend of mine who was a producer and he was very old at the time. He was a grandfather of my friend. And He said, Mimi, you should go into the film industry. I don't know what, just do whatever you have to do um, and do it. I said, but I don't want to be famous. He said, it doesn't matter. Just mix with the people. They're very free. They're very loving. They're very crazy, but you'll love it. Okay, so that's what I did. I did that for a few years and it was fantastic. And I remember those days with such happiness. But also seeing the people there, I saw them, like yourself, being completely raw. So when they weren't playing the part and you see them at three in the morning or four in the morning, they're human beings. And you realize that all of this razzmatazz around everybody, you know, there are, of course, they have a presence and they have a talent and they have a gift. And I know still a lot of people in that industry, but ultimately they're human and they are precious and fragile and hurt and cry. And that taught me a lot in that it doesn't matter what you're doing in life, what's your job, what's your status. What matters is take all the layers off. Who are you really? underneath it all and every single person that I meet Stevie I don't know about you I'm sure you can relate to this I want to know who are you I don't care what you do I don't care about anything else I just care about you who are you what's your heart about what's your soul about what have you got to teach me I agree with you on all that So every person that I see and that I meet, I think, I wonder why God sent them to me now. What have I got to learn? And I have to say some lessons are really hard. And I think, oh, my goodness, I'd rather not have met them. But I know there's a greater purpose to it. Yeah, you're right. I agree with you. If we look at things, I think, on a greater level, we'll find a greater peace because we realize it's all part of this divine tapestry. I'm in accord with what you're saying now. So you can ask me anything else if you want. Yes, I'd like to ask you. I know you love space. And 
I know that you like and love stars. It's something that we've spoken about. And I was looking the other day, after we spoke, actually, I was looking at some images that NASA had put up um, of the sunrise and the sunset on Earth, but also a friend of mine who's a little bit of an aurora light chaser. You know, those lights that um, are absolutely phenomenal and he chases them all around the world. And I thought to myself, what is that? Is that a reflection of ourselves? Is that something that we can actually see because it already is within us? Is the whole universe and the universes just a mirror of what is within us? I'm listening and I would say that's why David and I did a thing, you can ask him, called Star Cries, addressing these issues. And I also did, in England, the Galactic Symphonies, which dealing with space. Uh, maybe I could do a little of that poem that dealt with it that I told you about. Yes, please. And David used this in another version, but this is my version. Beyond okay. the Rings of Saturn. Beyond the Rings of Saturn beyond the bands of the universe. There's a place beyond space, beyond time, and it's in your mind. You can't get there on a rocket or traveling on a laser beam beyond the rings of Saturn. Never before in galactic span has been told the tale of man defies all bound, defies all space, upsets all theories, and in their place puts wisdom of the ancient race. Stories of creation throne, of man who left his home from stars among the universe and found the earth alone, void of purpose, without form, cold, barren, uniform, no room to differentiate choice from predetermined fate and save the world before it is too late. For mankind since time has opened up its book for a solution to problems and terrorism and savagery looks and each age has the answer and each age the road will pave. And all those undaunted saviors lead us to that same grave. So where can we find salvation? Can we discern from the movement of the tree within the quake, the presence or the power through which earthly things take shape? Can we know from the pull of the planet and the stars, the life within the atom, the life we know is ours? Did man in his greatest age, through every prophet and every sage ever calm the unstoppable rage, the ruthless destruction, the war, the hate, the cheating and the lies? Did anyone stop the horror through the earthly wise? Did anyone you know of teach the roses how to grow, show the harmony to maple leaves, teach the river's rhythmic flow? Or have you heard of any man of earthly fame claim to be the creator or the father of his own name? Surely none can answer to the questions that we ask. No mortal is equal to the task 
only something within far beyond anything we see could create beauty to make things beautiful, create music for man to write a symphony. The principle of music comes before music. The principle of art comes before art. The laws and harmonies are existent, yet man must hear them in his heart. For all our worldly knowledge, all libraries and all brains cannot in one instant heal all the world's pains. Love alone can heal. Love alone can mend. Love alone gives life meaning. Love alone gives life anticipation. Never before in galactic span has been told the tale of man. Oh my goodness. So you're dealing with space and you like space. I can say from all the conversations we've had already and from what my knowledge is everything, space and stillness and music, they're all one connection. They're all together and we must draw. And like you said, allow the, the spirit, the fluid, the solvent of love to wash through all things and move all things toward a better and higher consciousness for the world and for mankind. I'm, I'm just channeling this, streaming this, and I feel that both of us and, and the people we know, we can all be channels to do good, to bring people into kindness. And we do have people nasty to us that we get the wisdom to how to work through it and how to handle it and not to jump into reactions, but also to defend and protect ourselves and putting, put a circle around ourselves this far, no further. I can't let you in to my circle that my protective circle I have will know when to say halt. Don't say another word. I'm not carrying your weight. Put a circle around ourselves and bring peace. And so that's my, my answer to your question. I'm speechless. Only to say that those words, that energy, really, I, it's nighttime here in the United Kingdom now. I can see the stars. And suddenly it was a moment where anything was possible. And that, in effect, we were doing a symphony of the divine and the planets were circling within us and outside of us. And I thank you, dear Stevie, because that was quite phenomenal. And David has been a key person in bringing me over there to meet you and all that. And I'm grateful to him, too. Yeah, indeed. Indeed, and we have we will have to take when you come to the United Kingdom, we will have to take David out for tea and cake for that. Okay. <laughs> we will have to tell him that. We'll have to tell him that. And tell him I, yeah, and tell him we'll bring Man Manan, his wife. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> we shall, we shall. Oh my goodness. I am astounded. This is something really that has elevated me and something that speaks in a far greater language than one could on earth. And I could never do it justice by really saying anything, only that humbly so, I am truly grateful 
that and I'm grateful for you. And if you ever want me again or want me and David together, whatever, I'm open to you. So you now have my channel. Yes, I will definitely. Maybe we should do um, a podcast with all three of us. We'll see what David says. I'm open. Yeah. Yeah. I will ask him. I will ask him. And also him. ask him about Star Cries, our projects, if he has anything. Maybe he'll send you some of it. Star Cry. Okay. I will ask him for okay. sure. Thank you for gracing us with your presence, dear Stevie. And it's to all the people listening, to, to all the people listening to Mimi or, and to you, I send my deepest love and heartfelt emotions. And I'm very grateful and to share all this. And I love the United Kingdom and I hope they'll have me back. <laughs> <laughs> of course, we are now officially, all of us, inviting you to the United Kingdom. And, you know, the red carpet has been put out for you whenever, or the magic carpet, in fact. So whenever you, you know, are called and your heart is, you know, pulling you towards us all here, please do come. All right. I love you guys. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, before you go, before you go, before you go. Stevie, where can people find out about your work and everything that you do and more about you? My website, I think, oh my God. One thing, Stephen Kalinich or Stephen John Kalinich, put it in search engine, Google or Bing or one of them, and you'll find stuff. I'm on Instagram as Stephen Kalinich, I think Stephen J. Kalinich. And um, I think I'm on Facebook. I have people help me, so eventually I'll see it, but I don't, I can't answer everything, but I will, I respond somehow. And um, where else? And then just searching me out. And when I'll try and release something to Mimi when it happens and she can share it or, and David. Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you like, as I said to you, you can, you know, do a little poem um, and I will include it at the end of the episode or I can put it in at any time. You want me to do another poem? Yeah, that would be lovely, actually, if you yeah, don't let mind. Think, let me think which one I can do that would be. Well, I think my most powerful poem may be the other galactic. Uh, there's five or six of them, but the one, the magic hand. You uh, Did you hear that one yet or not? Not as yet, no. All right, I'll close, I'll close your podcast the way you want. This is called The Magic Hand, and I must say that when I was in the United Kingdom in Brighton, James, whatever I've got to find out his exact name so you can share it. He'll kill me. But he did a sculpture of my hand, which my good friends Paul and Ashley Athlet funded and got a bronze casting when I had my show with the opera singer called The Magic Hand, Sitsa Buwalda, a great tenor from Holland. Sitsa Buwalda, B-U-W-A-L-D, and he sang it. And it's called The Magic Hand. I'm not going to do the singing, but I'll do the spoken version. Yes, please. Poems can never make adequate explanations for man and his many hesitations and his constant deviation from what is real. They love me through wooden eyes. The tree of love in one heart lies. The bow brushes gently along the ground for waiting souls long to touch it. 
It's mystical and deep and sorely needing and cautious and slow to constant heating and has been eternally pleading. It lies in deserts and in the sand. In mountains, one can sense the hand, the hand that molded shelf by shelf, the lower and the higher self, and placed man somewhere in between what is and what seems to have been the spark of all and the machine. It asks him only to obey the heart within the only way. From ancient histories of the past, through destructions and nuclear blasts, the only breath that one sees last is the breath of love. Through its nostrils clean, it breathed pure air till man put hate and impurities there. Pervading the atmosphere released by thought, separating each from the eternal ought, not ought to be or ought to do, but the ought of spirit, which told the secret, the secret. There is no man, no woman, no sex, no creed, no race but only spirit on a constant chase toward its shelf, building, growing, forever flowing. The hour is approaching, the animal is dying. The soul is moving upward and forever trying. The new man speaks as one who knows, not with words of brass or steel-edged lies or pleading groans of cries. He speaks of all that there can be in living the life of eternity, which does not begin for visitors of the earth but those who live in the here and now. The dead are walking down the street. Look at them, look at them. Each other's eyes constantly meet and they know in their heart that death is necessary for one to grow. They must die to old thoughts, old habits and live with what is new. And that is man that is a heart that flows into all hearts, that lifts up and purifies. On the other side of death is life and life is loving and zombies who gather together in congregations and mass strangulations feel the bubble is bursting because their soul is thirsting for a touch of the hand, the magic hand that with fingers finer than pure gold, fingers not made of flesh or bone, fingers that are all things. This magic hand echoes as a symbol in every land that itself, it is a part of every woman, every child, and every man, the magic hand. Wow. What a beautiful and powerful piece of work, Stevie. And what a perfect way to end the podcast. Thank you sincerely for sharing your time and taking us on this really galactic journey with you tonight. All my love. Take care, Stevie, and please. You too, and, and, and blessings. Yeah, and come again. Okay, anytime. Thank you, bye. All right, then. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye, sweetie. Okay. Bye. Bye. Steve Kalinich, how lovely it is to share such precious stories with such wonderful guests. Thank you so much in joining me today. Until next time, take care of yourselves and lots of love. Thank you for listening to Secrets for an Inspirational Life, brought to you by your host, Mimi Novik. Please remember to subscribe to the podcast 
and see you in the next episode. For more information about Mimi Novik and her books, music and inspirational work, take a look at her website www.miminovic.co.uk